Hello and welcome to the truly inaugural episode of Long Live Play, the soon-to-be number one Australian PlayStation podcast hosted by myself, Govinda Whitehurst, and my long-time partner in crime, Mr. Kale Adam. How the bloody hell are you? Today was not a good day, Govinda. What happened? Talk was, me through it. It was a day full of stress and work and anxiety. Have you ever had one of those days where you just wonder what it would be like if you had never gotten out of bed at all? Yeah, I sometimes think about driving into oncoming traffic. <laughs> the uh, the feeling when you're driving and you just you, your mind starts to wander like, what would it be like if I just swerved into that, that other lane? That's a phenomenon yeah. called the call of the void. Oh, yeah, I, I live in the void, dude. You know, you're like, I live in the void. <laughs> you're right next to the cliff's edge and you just wonder, like, what would it be like if I just, like, just tumbled head over head? I, I just think it. It's an easy out, right? <laughs> like this is a a portent of things to come that the the opening one small step and I don't have to worry about anything anymore. Your family has to clean out your shitty little room, clean out your weird little <laughs> wank socks. <laughs> this is <laughs> okay. Firstly, my room's actually pretty nice. Okay, I bought some expensive sheets because I'm a grown up now. Mm. Uh, but no, look, it's a, this is a dark, this is a dark turn. We've taken a dark <laughs> turn. Um, but maybe that actually is going to tie straight into uh, the, to what we've been playing. What a masterful because segue. I've been playing a game called Disco Elysium. Oh, fuck. I thought you weren't going to go with that one. But anyway, that'll work as well. Well, we're going to go with a few, but this is the one I just think that ties in so well with the start of the show. Okay. Go on then. Go on. I don't even know how to describe it, and you've actually finished it, I think, on PC, and I I don't even know how to describe it. It's an adventure game, I guess? Uh, it is. It Technically, it's a CRPG. It's a computer role-playing game in the style of uh, the Baldur's Gate series, the... Uh, uh, the inf- okay. Oh, sorry, Kavinda, do you have something to say? I, I, I guess, like, Baldur's Gate isn't... Like, that's a lot more, like, combat and... Well, that's... I'm so glad you brought that up. That's what sets Disco Elysium apart, is the Infinity Engine games that, uh, you know, Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, Planescape Torment, they were all quite combat-focused, less so Planescape. Disco Elysium is closer to Planescape Torment, let's say. (laughs) But that top-down... I don't know any of the games you're talking about except Baldur's Gate. Uh... But, like, it's, it's just... This is very much just, like... I'm an alcoholic detective, and I'm going through a racist, capitalist, alternate universe, trying to... uh, Like, it's such a weird game to describe. It's a depressing game, but at the same time, I find it very hopeful. There's moments of beauty in it, but at the same time, it is the grimmest shit. I don't know if you've, like... Did you ever read any of the descriptions of, like, the, the clothing you're wearing? No, I, I actually haven't read any of the descriptions, like of items and stuff in the... Yeah, he talks about, like, uh, you know, the clothes you find in the room you wake up in, in which he has attempted to kill himself by drinking all of the booze. Like, if you read the item description for, like, the pants, he talks about how there's, like, cum stains on them. And, like, uh, you know... It's a weird game. And I, I was just trying to find a message that I sent you, because I asked you a question earlier this week when I was playing it, because I got a little bit stuck. And I think it sums this game up really nicely. And it was... <laughs> 
Disco Elysium question. Can I get through the strike gate without becoming a racist? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. There's several ways. I did get through it and I didn't have to become a racist, which was pretty nice. But I was talking to a man and he was trying to convince me to just become a really hardcore racist. So that man's name is Measurehead, named so for the uh, cranial measurements he uses to uh, ascertain oh, one's yeah, race. That old, uh... He is that archaic way of determining someone's intellect and worth in life. <laughs> this is actually funny because I just I played a little last night and I know this because I became a racist to get past him. He's a oh, interesting. I actually like I had a moral conundrum. Like I I literally didn't want to have to become a racist to do it, and that's why I messaged you and asked because I was like, if it might be the only way, sure, but I would like to know my options before I commit to full on racism. This is part of the genius of this game because it's so gross what you have to do with the uh, the thought cabinet mechanic. You get ideas through dialogues and you have to internalize them and you do that by walking around and talking to other people there's a lot of talking in this game it's just like a, it's just like a timer thing essentially like once you internalize it it says this will take six hours yes and so once you start talking to him you get this thought and it's called advanced racial theory and so once well you, that's the one yeah, yeah once you internalize it you can come back and talk to him and he goes into the grossest shit like he's got classifications like you know the heroic races the servile races and it's like what real racists believe. Like it, it gets into some <laughs> pretty yeah, dark it territory. Really, it was really odd. Not to spoil it for anyone. And I just, I don't know why I'm telling you this now, but I did get into the container you told me to get into. Oh, see, okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's where we get to a conundrum because I want to do review episodes in the future. This is putting the cart before the horse, but this is a game I'd love to talk apart like just really yeah we can do it i maybe should start taking notes or something because it's pretty deep and heady i guess is the word yeah that shit is wild and i'd be very interested to know what you think of it (laughs) but but i got in the container and i thought it was really weird what was going on and then when they explained (laughs) it i was like okay but anyway this is terrible to listen to because you don't know what i'm talking about at all unless you've played it yeah look i don't know i just thought i'd mention it it's a really weird game i don't know if i like it that's i'm it's but it's intriguing enough that i'll probably keep playing it it's, I am basically on the other end of the spectrum, whereas I think it's probably my favorite game. Like, of the modern era, like, I always talk about how Final Fantasy VIII is my favorite game, and I've gotten shit for that for, you know, 20 years now. But I think... 20, yeah, about 20 years, probably. What was it? I think it was 98, 99 that came out. It doesn't matter. It does, though. <laughs> it does Is it in the comparison but to Disco Elysium it matters? Uh, no, but like that game seems quite simple compared to Disco Elysium Anyway, something about it that just really stuck with me and I love it And I'd love to talk to you about it Well in look, depth. I was, look, again, I was really like I was intrigued by it when I got to this point where I was like Do I have to become a racist? And I, fiz- I was like, I actually really don't want that to have to be the case so, like, that in itself is pretty interesting. It's incredible writing. And, like, there's shit that... So, okay, we're just going to do it now. So, I'm trying it on hardcore mode for a trophy. There's a specific mode which makes all those dice rolls harder and there's less money in the game for you. So, everything is just, like, one and done. And I got into a situation where I tried to fist fight a child. And it was my only option to move forward. And I totally flubbed it. And, yeah, you feel gross. Like, you can... You can get Did in some dark. Kid? I failed to hit him, which was sadder. And then he asserted uh. his masculine dominance over me, <laughs> which was. Is this uh, the kids? Is this the kids right near the body? Yeah, Kuno. 
Oh my god! <laughs> All right, we'll save this for another day. All right. What else have you been playing? I figured we sh- uh, this was weeks ago for me, but I figure we get there. Um, Returnal is you know the latest big PS5 <sighs> exclusive of consequence, and I figured we should relay our experiences with this game. So I I just sighed to sum up my experience with Returnal, and let me and and it's made. Worse by your experience with Returnal. <laughs> yeah, which I'm I'm very excited to go into. Yeah, go for it. So I'm notorious amongst our little inner circle of friends for not really finishing every game I start. For whatever reason, Returnal, I spent five hours in the first biome, like two or three in the second, and then I just got a legendary roll. I, I had a run so incredible that I blew through three, four, five, and made it all the way like halfway through six and ultimately finished the game with 12 deaths overall. It didn't take very long once you get onto a rhythm. And yeah, that's kind of one of my problems with the game. Ultimately, I got through it easier than it seems like most people did, but I didn't really like it. And also what the game asks you to do to see the true ending, it's one of those games, I just don't think is worth it. I don't think it's justified. So what I do gave you have up to do for the true ending? Uh, that could be a bit of a spoiler. I don't know if we should go into that. Um, oh, okay, I didn't even know, and I haven't finished it for the record. I have put in way more time than I have. And I can't beat the third boss. Yeah, and it takes me so much time to get to the third boss that every I can only do one run at a time. Before I like, I do one run. I uh, I had the best run going the other day. Like I had like two full health bars. I had three of the items that give you a full uh, streak again. Yeah, so you yeah. get all like the perks for the full streak plus a shield. So essentially, I had three shields. I had some health little vials, and I got to this third boss, and I just fucking blew it, <laughs> and then I died. And I, I probably put two hours into that run, maybe hour and a half into that run, and then I died. I also had the uh, astronaut, and if you don't know, that's a free revive. Yeah. So I had a, like I was stacked, and I should have been able to do it. My my weapon proficiency was up at like level twelve or thirteen. Like, I should have been able to do it, and I didn't get through the second health bar, and then I died, and I was like, and that's it for me. <laughs> it, ha- it asks a lot of you. I think moment-to-moment gameplay we is probably really good. and should have described really what fun. it is, actually, as well, but that's fine. It's I an like to think game. that if you're listening to this, you know this. You know what it is. All right. It's a third-person shooter. It's a big assumption, but the five people that will listen to this will probably know what it is. <laughs> Optimistic at best. But it's like a third person action shooter, roguelike, procedurally generated sort of. Yeah, that's 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 true. That's all right. It's familiar areas put in different configurations. Yeah. Pretty high skill ceiling. Like if you're good at this game, you're really good, but it takes a while to get there. And there's a lot of luck involved. If you've ever played Housemark's PS4 launch game Resogun. Even though that's a side-scrolling arcade game, there are so many similarities. It's insane. Yeah, it's. Um, um, I also like. Did you, you you played Resogun a little bit? A little bit. You had to save the humans. Uh, I can't remember. This was like eight. You had years to save ago. these little green humans. It's all made out of voxels, which are like weird little geom- geometrical things that blow up into millions of pieces. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and in the ship in Returnal on the dash, there is a little voxel human as a throwback to their. Oh, little, roots. Nice little Easter egg. There's a little Easter egg there for you. Um, it's very similar in that sense. It is a bullet hell game, but instead of a 2D side scroller, it is a 3D torture sphere. 
Yeah. See, I don't know. Like, it, it, it is cool. I think it's... This is, again, a topic that's been done and dusted. I think it's too expensive. Um, oh, I was literally just about to say that I hate that I paid $129, $125, I think it was, whatever it yeah. was. Um, you know, we in particular get shafted in Australia with uh, video game taxes, but yeah, I don't know. This game, to me, would be worth like 60 bucks Australian. Yeah, I, I think I would really have preferred it to not be a roguelike. I think if this game was exactly what it was... But it was a more traditional, like you get checkpoints and you go through the story and it's more about getting to the end of the story than this like punishing maelstrom of bullets and pain and despair. <laughs> I would have enjoyed it more and I would have felt like it was worth the money more. But the fact that they made it like a more arcadey roguelike really kind of soured me on it. Here's something I love and hate it. Yeah, here's something for you. I've actually, we haven't spoken about this. I was really scared playing this game. There's moments Aww. where you, with no spoilers, where you relive like memories and the you house. go to, yeah, you go into this old farmhouse and I was legitimately scared, but I'm a big baby. Yeah, you are a big baby. Oh, wait. It's okay. pretty weird. Speaking, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I'm sorry to do this to you because we're going to throw, we're going to, we're going to move on from Eternal. All right. I'm, I'm done with it. Because I think this is a nice segue into a game that we didn't even list. Which is telling. Resident Evil Village. Yeah, we did. We we played this together in person. We played it together, and let and and the reason we played this together is, is Kale wanted to play it with his wife, but she didn't want to actually actively play it. She just wanted to see it and be there for it. And Kale was too scared to be on the sticks alone. Um. Yeah, I'll own that. That's me. I'm. Yeah. I'm a grown man, and I'm I'm scared so, of the video games. So I drove an hour and a half to spend the night there so we could play it and try and finish it, and I fell asleep at ten thirty. You fell asleep during the scariest moment, which is kind <laughs> yeah, of impressive. That's how <laughs> well, look, I think it was one of these things when we were playing that, that I I think I got desensitized pretty quickly to the fear. Okay. Um, and I think that happens a lot with scary games. Like, eventually I'm like, okay, like, I'm okay. You know, my wife has been on me ever since asking when you're coming back so we can finish it. Um, um, it's already been When weeks. I can. Yeah, it's already it's, been I, weeks. Look, it's true. And don't throw that at me, because you'll remember, I said, I'll come back next week, I've got Friday, Saturday off, oh. and I messaged you on Thursday, and you were like, oh, sorry, I forgot, I'm actually busy, and now I don't, I've got split days off now, so maybe in July, dead serious. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I have two weeks off in July, and we can do it then if it's not sooner, but that'll probably be when it is. The sad thing is, and we should move on, but the sad thing is, I think we've seen all the best parts, from what I gather, it's like, it got, don't... Yeah, it's... It goes full it's Resident more of a Evil. completion thing. Yeah, it's like now it becomes an action game from where we've been. I can tell. Even the last little bit that I had to do was just a horde of enemies coming at me. Uh, but look, it is. it was fun for what it was. I didn't think it was as scary as I thought it was going to be. I was terrified all the way through and I'm not ashamed of that fact. Shall we move on? Okay. Yeah, go for it. Look, we yeah, let's round this out. I've been playing the Mass Effect uh, Collection Trilogy Legendary Edition, you know. How far have you gotten? I got through the first one, which is, you know, that was a cool 16 hours, great game, showing its age. I think that one came out in 2008. It's all looking nice. They've made a lot of uh, quality of life improvements. Got through into the second game, which I have this... Uh, this happened to me in 2000 and whatever it was. Like, it's such a shock going from one to two. Because they really streamline the hell out of a lot of things. But even though I initially don't like it, 
Bioware knows better than me because it is a better game for it. It's less an RPG and more of an action game. When, like, you mean like the changes they made to one? Yeah, just like, you know, the RPG aspects, like there's less equipment changing and swapping and min-maxing yeah. and, yeah, but it ultimately is better and the story is better and, like, it's really good. I think I'm... It looks better and it runs better. A lot more playable. Like, combat is better. Yeah, but I That's think... That's the only reason I almost want to play it is because I never played the first one. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's just... Yeah, well... That's a whole other kettle of fish. But I think I'm getting towards the end of the second one, and I think I actually will see it through. Like, it's just a nice... They're fucking good games. Like, I forgot how good and, like, complete they were. Like, It's weird that, like, I, I want to play it, but I refuse the strong word, but I don't want to pay the full price for it, even though the full price isn't that much. Yeah, for and what you're getting. And it is three AAA games. And they... Yeah, well, the first one. I'm going to call it a double A, but... They really are some of the best RPGs ever made. Like, you just forget how awesome the universe is and all the different alien races. Like, it's one of those series where you're like, you wish you could show it to people that don't play games. And you're like, this is like a, you know, you like Star Wars? Like, you should check this out. Like, if you like it's the just universe. It's a hard thing to show someone that doesn't like games because it's, a, it's like, I need to condense the best of a 60-hour game into something that you can see quickly and understand, and it's not possible. Yeah, no, it's I've given up on that. It's Some people yeah. just, that's their life, and honestly, they're probably happier for it. So, <laughs> what can we do about that? Well, alrighty, what we'll do is we're going to move into, just real quickly, we're going to go through some PS Plus games for the month, being that it is the start of the month and they just came out last week. What have we got? Um, well, first up, we've got um, Operation Tango, uh, exclusive uh, just to the PS5. There is no PS4 version, although you can pay for that. It's a little bit confusing. Uh, Gavin- oh, wait, what? Yeah, that's right. The, so the PS Plus version is only for PS5. Ah. Yeah. I didn't know that. That sucks for them. <laughs> that sucks for all the plebs out there. <laughs> uh, we played a little of this together on a whim. We don't normally do this. What Really quickly, what it is, is it is a strictly co-op experience. There is no option to play this game by yourself. You either matchmake, or it gives you the option to send your friend a friend code so they can download a version of the game and play it for no additional cost, which at this point is $0 anyway, if you have a PS5. So each player has a radically different experience. Like, there is a hacker and then there is a field agent. Who is kind of a hacker as well. <laughs> well, you can hack some things. I was the um, the Oracle, as it were. Oh, I don't... If you're into your, if you're into your DC. Yeah, comments. okay. That was a reach, but um, I'll but give I, it to you. I was... Uh, come on. I, okay. well, I tried. I tried. Oh, look. We've um, been over this yeah, before. I, you were the man in the chair. I was the man in the chair. Yeah. You, you were swiveling around in your chair. You, you're uploading your data. You, you... I'm hacking servers. I'm getting IP addresses. I'm looking through cameras at Kale, who is in the building, Mm. and I'm guiding him through. And the real beauty of it is I have no idea what you were looking at, like what your interface looked like. Like mine was a, it looked like a first-person game. Like you're just walking around, like interacting with things. But from what you, and so we had to describe to each other to get through a series of puzzles what we were seeing, and it was very... Look, I I had fun. I had a lot of fun. I thought it was well done. It's essentially a co-op puzzle game. Yeah, that's definitely it. But um, masked as like 
espionage spy like hacking people on trains and then finding that uh, that you're hacking them finding out you're hacking them and them trying to find you and I'm locking doors on them as they're trying to go through the train. It was just kind of, it was good fun, and it got pretty tense. It did. Uh, again, like, I was just cooked that day. I'd had a massive day, and, like, by the end of it, I, it was starting to wear on me a bit, but, like, we did uh, have a great time. I wasn't even going to shoot you down, okay? I wasn't <laughs> even going to shoot you down for that last, but I wasn't even going to mention it, but you did melt. I was making point. some mistakes. You can, you can, I'll own that. We were trying to crack a code, and the code is a four-digit <laughs> code, and it's either zeros or ones. And I would get feedback saying whether like two were correct, none were correct, or like two were correct and two were in the wrong place. And Kale failed this quite a few times. And he was like, it just doesn't work. It's just not here. It doesn't work. And I was like, okay, tell me what your options are. I then found out it was a zero or a one in four spots. And I probably got it on like the third attempt. Yeah, it was bullshit. All I'm saying is the whole thing was rigged. So I was the hacker... And the, the ground person as well. So, no, I don't know, no big deal. I was, um, I, was, I was important. It's worth checking out if you have a PS5. And a friend. And a friend. <laughs> Which, honestly, I don't know if I have. So, maybe we won't um, continue with that. The next one, which I'm going to be really honest with you, I know very little about and I'm not interested in at all, is Virtual Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown. Yeah, I've got no idea what this is. Like, I know what it I- is. Never I don't play one. fighting games. Yeah, I'm I with you. I don't care. It's, yeah, it's fine. I only have one life to live. I can't be an expert on everything, Govinda. I've got to give someone else a job. You know what I mean? Look, get it. Uh, at this point, if, if you got PS Plus, you, you put them into your library and you pretend like you didn't. And if one day you feel like fighting someone, you've got Virtual Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown to play. Yeah. The next is Star Wars Squadrons, which I played on PC and I actually liked it. You didn't. Okay. I played a little more because, look, when I told you I didn't like it, I... Just had only gotten through literally the tutorial. Yeah. Like the, the, the prologue. So I played a little bit more and it's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. If you like, if you like games like flying games, go for it. But I get really like, I get disinterested in that real quick. Like it feels real same samey to me. Yeah. It's a flight sim in the truest sense. Yeah. I think I would love it if I had, if I had VR. Like I think oh, that'd be yeah. way funner. I never tried that. Um, but like the story is surprisingly cool. You play as like both you know, a rebel fighter and a TIE fighter. Um, and it's, like, way better than the single-player part of, like, Battlefront. Do you Battlefront. switch between? Yeah, yeah, you swap from one to the other. Because at the start of my campaign, it asked me to choose a side. Yeah, I think you swap between the two. I hope I'm, I'm remembering I'm the, that right. Well, the prologue was you as, like, a TIE fighter. Yeah. But then after the prologue, I then was very much in the rebellion or the resistance or whatever. Yeah, it definitely swaps between New the Republic. two. As, as it okay. goes on. Well, I haven't played long enough. I probably put, like... After I told you I wasn't a fan, I probably played it for, like, another hour or two. Yeah, like, it's it's pretty and cool. For free, it's awesome. You're going to have a good time. Yeah, look, again, you can't complain. Best game's a free game. <laughs> That's the PS Plus titles for the month. Look, we should move on because there's quite a bit to get through here. It was... It's an interesting time to start a PlayStation podcast because a lot of shit happened and also it's E3 next week. So there's going to be a lot of shit and then it's probably going to be quiet. So we'll deal with that as it happens. Next up is a little segment we like to call the news we care about, which, as you might have gathered, is news that we care about. We're not going to go through everything, just the things we like. And sometimes... Just things that are relevant. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes <laughs> I'm not going to care about the news and we're just going to talk about it anyway because we should. Well, it should be covered. It's nice to uh, have a baseline. 
Shall I think it should be maybe the news we care enough about. <laughs> the bar is so low. <laughs> it's just... Well, hey, look, we're doing the news we care enough about and some lukewarm takes. I, I think that is just what it is, right? All right. So, look, let's get through this and then we can talk about it, all right? So, look, this week we got our first look at real gameplay for Horizon Forbidden West during a State of Play broadcast on the 28th of May. We've shown about 15 minutes of actual gameplay and a further five of a gameplay deep dive in which game director Matthias De Jong outlines some of this sequel's biggest changes. Amongst a bunch of new things, melee combat has been greatly expanded. Aloy has a grappling hook and a glider called the shield wing, and her focus can be used to analyse climbable areas. Verticality, perhaps in response to Breath of the Wild, is now very much at the forefront. Aloy can now swim underwater and everything looks friggin' gorgeous. We got to see some new weapons, uh, like javelins and adhesive slingshot, and some new foes like the massive and imposing Tremor Tusk, and the Velociraptor-esque chainsaw-fanged Claw Strider. It was pretty wild. You watched this, didn't you, Govinda? I've watched it a few times. Um, I showed someone else this the other day and it still looks ridiculous. Uh, and I think it's f- hilarious because I literally remember the original Horizon coming out. And maybe like four days later, Breath of the Wild came out and I stopped playing Horizon and played Breath of the Wild. And then when I went back to Horizon, I was like, ah, I can't climb anything. Yep. Ah, like, how do I get down there? I just wish I want to just like glide down there. I don't even think it's a perhaps in response to Breath of the Wild. I think it is definitively in response to Breath of the Wild. That was you see that um that that shield wing like the glider. Yeah, that is Breath of the Wild. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, <laughs> um, I had the exact same experience. Like it it really took the wind out of the sails. Like Horizon is a great game, but coming straight off Breath of the Wild, where you can literally climb anything you can see, like it felt last gen, which is funny. <laughs> By comparing the two, I always thought like Horizon was a great action game and a so-so open world game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Whereas Breath of the Wild was a amazing open world game, but the combat was so-so. Yeah, that's actually um, pretty spot on, dude. <laughs> that's the lukewarmest take of the day, I'd say. No big deal, guys. What's up? Please don't um, ever but do I, that again. But I think it looks so... So good, and I think it's interesting to note it looks that good, and they don't have ray tracing. Oh, is that right? They do not have ray tracing, which I like. If it looks that good, I don't really care, honestly. I, I struggle to see too much of a difference, and that's because I'm a layman. I was gonna um, say, you're, I, you're like kind of a tech guy compared to me, like, I can tell, you know, no. I can tell frame rate easier than I can tell ray tracing. And the funny thing about this is, I played Miles Morales. With 30 frames a second and ray tracing, because I wanted to see ray tracing. And I played the entire game like that. And then like three weeks after I'd finished it, they were like, by the way, there's now a 60 frames a second with ray tracing mode. And I felt, I felt cheated. Betrayed. Violated? I felt violated. It probed, almost. Mm. It's, it's not kind, um, whatever happened to you. I think sometimes being someone who plays things at l- release, at launch, I, I think we get shafted a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Um, it's almost like the experience of owning a PS5. You just get shot oh, we'll, a little bit. We'll get into that All as right. we go. Uh, but one thing to note, and I don't think it's on here because it did drop recently, but I, apparently Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is going to have a day one patch that enables 60 frames a second with ray tracing. 
Oh, that's actually a pretty good catch. Uh, Should have been in the news, but someone must have missed that one. Someone was sleeping at the wheel. (laughs) It wasn't me. I'm going to dive into the next one. Yeah, let's do it. Let's move along. Uh, Next up is the news of the adoption of the newest internal studio to become a part of the PlayStation Studios' first-party family, Team Asobi. Insomniac Games, acquired in 2019, used to be the new kid, but now that mantle belongs to Asobi. Formed from the ashes of the now-defunct Japan Studios, Team Asobi are the developers responsible for both 2018's Astrobot Rescue Mission and Astro's Playroom, the PS5 pack-in title. What Asobi is currently working on is unknown, although I'm willing to go out on a ledge and say it is Astro-related. The team is scaling up and, in their own words, looking to challenge bigger things. They also released their official logo, and while this does not work on an audio podcast, I would now like Govinda to describe it. What do you think that looks like? <laughs> uh, okay, um, it, it says, it, okay, all right, uh-huh, okay, we can do this. Um, incredible audio, incredible. Uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, it's, I got this. Uh, it says team. Yeah. And then in what I can only assume is Japanese kanji. I believe it's, oh, I'm not even going to guess. Yeah, please don't guess. Just let me go with this, all right? There was a time I where I knew it would the say, ah, sh- sh- sh. I think it would say team in English and then in Japanese, asobi. Yeah. That's an assumption. I don't know this for sure. I don't speak <laughs> Japanese, nor do I read it. Mm. Underneath that, much bigger, it says asobi mm. in kind of like a, uh, gr- a gradient text from blue on the left to orange on the right with some purple and orange in the middle. Uh, and then the O is, in fact, a little robot head. With a single antenna and two eyes, uh, which Astro. I think is meant to, yeah, look, meant to be a little bit of a, uh, a throwback to Astros. If you have a PS5 and you haven't played Astros Playroom, you actually should because it is really fun. I um I deeply regret that bit, uh, and I did not play Astros Playroom. I don't know why. You should. It's honestly super fun, and as someone as someone I know that is somewhat into platinum trophies, easy plat. Yeah, I platinumed just... it day one of having a PlayStation Five. It was my first platinum, All right. and I did it within I did it within like four hours of setting up my console. Okay, look, it might happen, but let's be honest, it probably won't. Also, just a cool way to go through like the features of your console, like the new controller and all that. It was also kind of nostalgic. Like it goes through all the consoles and a lot of throwbacks and Easter eggs to old PS One, PS Two, PS Three, PS Four. Even Vita's in there, PSP's in there. Um, <laughs> do you remember iToy? Yeah, vaguely. I never owned one. Oh, dude, you missed out. iToy was good fun. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it's a good game, and I'm interested to see what they do, and if I'm being honest, I would like to see what they did with Astros. Like, I want them to learn what, from what they did with Astros and make another game that's not Astros. But, like, full, like, maybe like Ratchet & Clank, like a full... Yeah, yeah, like a little 3D action platformer, fun family game, that's totally fine. I just don't think Astros as a flagship brand is really that interesting or compelling. Yeah, no, it's it's like he's cute. I get it. <laughs> uh, it's not just one. Th- there's a lot of Astros, I think. Isn't oh, it? I guess now I don't know. Now I well, if you ignorant. play the game, you'll know there's a lot more robots than the one that you play as. But now that you say this, maybe that one is called Astro, and I I don't know. I'm moving right along. Moving right along. Govinda, Ubisoft has decided that the narrative of Far Cry Six is political actually. What? Yeah. Um, the company has reacted to the backlash that resulted after an interview last week between uh, Naveed Kavari, the, nar- the narrative director of Far Cry 6, and Jade King of the website thegamer.com. 
In the interview, Kavari was quoted as saying, uh, our game doesn't want to make a political statement about what's happening in Cuba specifically, which was picked up by numerous sites and reported widely. His original comments and the full quote was slightly more nuanced, but nuance doesn't make headlines. A statement in response was released by Ubisoft, written by Naveed Kavari himself. Quote, Our story is political. There are hard, relevant discussions in Far Cry 6 about the conditions that lead to the rise of fascism in a nation, the cost of imperialism, forced labour, the need for free and fair elections, LGBTQ plus rights, and more within the context of Yarra, a fictional island in the Caribbean. End quote. Far Cry 6 takes place on the island of Yara, which is inspired by Cuba and described as a tropical paradise frozen in time. It is ruled by El Presidente Anton Castillo, played by Breaking Bad's Giancarlo Esposito, a fascist dictator with full control over the island. We have another quote here. Mm. Quote, The conversations and research done on the perspective of those who fought revolutions in the late 1950s, early 1960s and beyond are absolutely reflected in our story and characters. But if anyone is seeking a simplified binary political statement specifically on the current climate in Cuba, they won't find it. I am from a family that has endured the consequences of revolution. I have debated revolution over the dinner table my entire life. I can only speak for myself but it is a complex subject that should never be boiled down to one quote, end quote. And yeah, so that's a little bit more context there. Obviously, this is a very deeply political game. <laughs> Regardless <laughs> of what they said last week, uh, yeah, this is a, a hot-button issue, even What today. a turnaround. <laughs> yeah. What a turnaround. <laughs> um, so look, if you didn't know, it seems like Far Cry 6 is taking a lot of inspiration from the Cuban Revolution, uh, which is basically the event that got us Fidel Castro. Uh, it took place during the 1950s. Obviously, this is pretty controversial because a lot of Cuban people fled that regime, and historians estimate that like somewhere between 35 and 130,000 people died because of that regime. And actually, the most horrific, when I was looking into this a little bit, the most horrific part of that is a lot of those deaths are attributed to drowning as people tried to obviously flee from Cuba to the United States. Um, oh. Yeah. Like it's, tried to swim there. Well, makeshift rafts. Or just like boats, boats and rafts and stuff. Yeah. yeah okay. it's Oof. So like obviously yeah, there's, um, you know, a lot of Cuban Americans that feel very strongly. Why can't we just leave things alone? Like why can't know. it just exist the way I, it exists and it is what it is and you play it or you don't? I mean, I get it like, at the I, same time, but I love politics and games. That's why I like Disco Elysium. Like, just own it. Yeah. It's, I know, right? Just own it. It, it was such a backpedal too, so it, it feels really weird. And just on a real side note, just about Far Cry 6, I don't care. I kind of do. Yeah, I know. But I just, I, look, I need to see more, but I just, I don't think, I don't think Far Cry is going to do anything different than Far Cry has done in the last three games, and that's not enough for me to go in there. Because I've honestly never finished a Far Cry. I run around, I get so distracted by trying to be a completionist and do all my like, climb all my towers and see everything and whatever, that I never finish it. And then I'm like, that was kind of a waste and I don't feel like I got anything out of it. It's about the adventure, Govinda, not the destination. I, I, I guess. I just, if it's just me being first person, driving around and get, seeing an outpost and then murdering everyone in the outpost and then like, getting a bow and arrow and stealthing the whole game because that's what I always do. I just don't... Maybe if it's on sale. Um, just to finish on that, this was another important bit of context that I 
actually wasn't aware of just, you know, cruising through headlines, but Kavari himself lived through the Iranian revolution of the 1970s, and apparently that experience was a major contributing factor to this story. So it's not like a straight Cuban revolution thing. Like, he's obviously like, I mean, for one thing, that was a communist revolution, and in his story, it's a fascist one. So that's a little different, whether or not that'll affect anything. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think we will just wait and see. That's meant to... We did actually get a release date for that, um, which I don't have ready. Oh, that's embarrassing. Just uh, Phil Air, Kavinda. Where, where can people find us online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to just cut this out. That's for sure. Definitely going to leave this dead air in there where I'm just talking while you're searching something. And release I trusted date. you to do this news, Kale. I trusted you to do the news and have everything ready to go. <laughs> And here we are, me having a fluff while you're trying to find what you need to find. You did a wonderful job. It releases on the 7th of October. For now. For now, yeah. Let's see if it doesn't get uh, <laughs> coveted into uh, well, let's the Let's see media. if that actually happens. What initially looked like a slower news week quickly became anything but, thanks in large part to an interview over on the PlayStation blog with Herman Holst. In the interview, Holst speaks on a wide variety of topics, from studio development updates, thoughts on PS5 and PS4 development, PlayStation Studios' vision for PC releases, and a whole lot more. Holst, the one-time managing director and co-founder of Dutch studio Guerrilla Games, is now acting president of Sony Interactive Entertainment Worldwide Studios, a.k.a. capital F, capital P, The First Party. Herman goes on to reveal a bunch of interesting tidbits throughout the interview, like the fact that there are currently more than 25 titles in development, with almost half of that number being new IP, and the rest being sequels to existing franchises. Herman thinks Horizon Forbidden West from Guerrilla Games is still on track for a holiday release this year, although that could change. In addition, he revealed that the as-yet-untitled next God of War, developed by Sony Santa Monica, has been delayed until sometime in 2022. Surprise, surprise, Govinda. How do you feel about all that? How grim, how grim will it be if Horizon gets delayed for the rest of the year? Yeah. The crazy thing is <laughs> PlayStations is still selling. Well, like, course, yeah. it'll just keep happening. Like, Look, that's something we'll discuss momentarily in, mm. the, in the feature of the week. But like, there's, uh, there's a lot here. There is 25 a- titles in development is an, is an important one. That's huge. Because I think we're in an interesting spot with PlayStation. Mm. Um, if anyone who's had a PlayStation for a while will know the dark days of the PS3, when it was far and away losing the quote-unquote console war, until I- the end. It came back. It had, a strong, it had a strong resurgence at the end, and I think numbers-wise outsold the Xbox 360. But right now we're in a situation where Xbox is doing some really interesting stuff. Mm. They just bought a... They didn't buy a game studio. They bought a publisher. Yeah. A very well-known, gigantic publisher for a ridiculous sum of money. Mm. And so now they just have a publisher publishing games strictly for Xbox. I dare say we're not going to see Elder Scrolls 6 on PlayStation, and we're not going to see Starfield on PlayStation. Um, um just for the record, that uh, Govinda is referencing the uh, purchase of Bethesda for $7 billion. It's an interesting time. So 25 titles is, is definitely interesting, and I like that there's new IP in there. But right now, like, there's not a great sales pitch for a PS5. No. Important to note, um, Ratchet & Clank comes out in, like, what, a couple of days? from when uh, Yeah, we, uh... it's on the 11th. So, yeah, it'll be out by the end of the week. 
Yeah, sure. So that's like something at least. And that's going to be cool. But no, but you're like, right. It's, if Horizon It's an interesting time. If Horizon misses its window, there's nothing for the rest of the year. Um, unless like we unless in the next month during this E3 time, PlayStation has a surprise announcement. Yeah. Yeah, it's a grim year to start it off. The worst part is I don't think it's going to affect them too much. I think they can ride through this year like people will be annoyed and we'll all complain, but like what are you going to do, buy an Xbox? <laughs> well, and, and the thing with the Xbox thing is, like, if you have a PC, there's no need to buy an Xbox. You just get Game Pass, and you'll get all of these games on Game Pass anyway, so... And to be fair, I talk shit, but that's exactly what I do. I'll, I'll play Halo this <laughs> year. I'll play, you know, the next Gears of War. Yeah, it works for me. But yeah, look, God of War getting delayed, and then not only being delayed, but being announced as a PS4 game as well. You've also got Gran Turismo that was advertised a while ago as a PS5 exclusive mm. is now not and is going to be made for PS4. And look, I don't really care myself. It's, um, yeah, this this one's nuanced because I think I don't really care either. But then the trick is if a game is designed to run on a PS4, it has to do tricks to hide loading times, which the PS5 doesn't. And this is like... In Mass Effect, it's the elevator rides, or it's the pushing through a narrow passageway in the original God of War. So, are oh, we going like, to get that in the PS5 version? Like, those weird little oh, moments? Okay, look, are... interesting. I didn't think about that, necessarily. Yeah, it's... I, like, Gran Chismo is not a problem, because Gran Chismo, like, you will load the game. It will just be slower. Yeah. And look worse. But God of War is interesting, because on PS4, they hid the loads very well. Yeah. But on um, replays, like, it's funny, too, because, you know... Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake DLC is out next week or whenever it is, but uh, that game did a lot of this too. Like, replaying it, you see all those, like, weird little... Par- yeah, I don't even know how to describe them. you like, got to, little... like, shuffle through some debris and Yeah, you're like, oh, squeeze through a little gap or something, and, make, like, replaying those games becomes annoying. So, yeah, that's going to be disappointing if we see that in <sighs> the next God of War. Look, I think this is just a good segue into our feature article of the week. All right. we're going to end up talking about this anyway. Our feature article of the week is titled, Did Sony Lie About the PS5? By Sammy Barker, editor at Push Square. You can find a link to the piece in the show notes below, and also a link to Sammy's Twitter handle. Uh, in this uh, segment, we're going to take the ideas presented by, you know, basically the best feature article I see in a week. And then we get Govinda's hot takes. So let's just dive right in. What we're going to do is we're just going to read an excerpt and perhaps some quotes. Uh, obviously, journalism is a real thing. Go read the actual piece. That's how people get paid. We're not going to read the whole thing here because that's uh, a little bit shady, even for Govinda. So here we go. <laughs> quote, we believe in generations. It's another quote from PlayStation boss Jim Ryan that will likely haunt him for the rest of his career, similar to the comments he made about some classic Gran Turismo games a half-decade ago. The executive's generational declaration must be considered in context. It was publicised at a time when Microsoft announced that it would continue to support the Xbox One, with its first-party titles for the foreseeable future. PlayStation 5, according to Ryan and his suited subordinates, would be different. End quote. And he lied. He did lie. And this is what we're going to talk about. So we answered the question, did Sony lie about the PS5? Yes. Yeah, he really did. Does it matter? (laughs) Probably not. That's the real, that's the crux of this, right? Uh, I mean, we we just touched on this. Like, what 
this piece really gets at the heart of, and again, go read the whole thing because it's great. Uh, what? Where? Where's my PS5 exclusives? There, there shouldn't, there shouldn't uh, be. Demon PS4. Souls. <laughs> yeah, all right, uh, all right. Returnal, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart. Yeah, okay. The Miles Morales. That wasn't that on PS4 too. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just said that. I wasn't sure. I had nothing to back that up. The other three I knew definitively were oh, Astro's Playroom. Play that on anything else. Again, what those four <laughs> games you just mentioned have in common is that they aren't the big boys. They aren't Horizon. They aren't God of War. They're second party games in the case of, you know, Demon Souls. And it's just... And, and Returnal, second party, because do they own Housemark? I don't think so. No, no, they don't. Yes, true, and that's why they're the exclusives and not God of War, because they're not the heavy hitters. Oh, what's the quote? There's 110 PlayStation 4s out there, and it's bad for, it's bad for business. <laughs> that was like, a great quote. At the end of the day. <laughs> it was uh, 110 uh, million, by the way. Oh, I don't know what I said. It's been a long <laughs> day, and I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> look, we're getting um, there, we're getting look, there. I think at the end of the day, we just need to understand that Sony is not altruistic. They are a business. Yeah. And businesses need to make money so that they can keep making games that you like to play. And you can't be like, 10 million's enough. Because what is it? There's like 7.5 million PS5s out there right now. By the time Horizon comes out, maybe we'll be at 10. And are you really going to like turn away from 110 million player base just for, just for that? Like, I don't think you're going to. I think the people who are no. going to buy a PS5 are going to buy a PS5. Yeah. And they can still play Horizon and it's going to look much better and play much better and be at 60 frames. And the other people who can't get a PS5 right now because of shortages of chips or whatever excuse they want to come up with yeah. can play it on their PS4 if they want to. Look, the logical rebuttal to that is when does it end? What? Are these the last two games that come to PS4? Like, at what point do we... I don't do think we... so. Yeah, at what point do we cut it off? Like, When PS5s are on the shelves and you can walk in and buy one. That's true. It's just such a... Because right now what they're, what they're struggling with is like you can't just go and buy a PS5. So you're going to release a game as a quote-unquote console seller. Yeah. But you can't sell the console. So the game's going to suffer. I guess like... And again, I don't even necessarily feel this way myself. But to play Devil's Advocate... What about me? I bought a PS5. I sold that shit. I got rid of the PS4 because... And you're going to have the best experience with our first party games. <laughs> but Jim Ryan, and it... Jim Ryan told me that he believes in generations and that generation is over. I don't have a next gen console. I have a current gen console with yeah, my PS5. Yeah, okay. And this is my problem with this whole thing is, is you're not playing a current gen or you're not playing a last gen version of Horizon. I'm you not. You're playing... You are playing a game that is going to be made for PS5 and it's going to be compressed to shit to go work on an older console. And it's going to be a much worse experience. And I think we'll see it. I think it's um, like, not to the extent of Cyberpunk, but you're going to see the struggles of last gen. I think, you know, like if, if The Last of Us Part 2 runs on a PS4, I think Horizon Forbidden West is going to be all right. Like, we all know yeah, that. Like, it's going to be, be fine. There was a there was something they mentioned that are like the the differences between the PS5 and PS4 version and it's like performance and graphics. I'm like, yeah, okay, like the things people kind of care about the most half the time. You're going to be playing at 30 frames a second. 
there is there's something that they mentioned that with Horizon you there's like this lighting engine that literally follows Aloy around to make her character model look as good as it does. And yep. on PS5, that's on PS5, that's everywhere with you. On PS4, it's only in cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, well, that's like um, you're going to be playing at 1080p, 30 frames a second. Maybe they'll do like some upscaling a little bit to get it up above 1080p. Uh, but it's going to be like you're not jealous of the people playing it on PS4. You know what I mean? No. And again, like in my heart of hearts, it doesn't it doesn't bother me yet. Like if this shit's still going on next year, I think I'm going to start be to be a little bit annoyed by that. Because I don't know, I don't when think you are. I don't think you are. How long are we going to be shackled to a 7-year-old piece of 7 years when uh, did it come out? I'm I'm so glad you brought this up because there's literally a quote that I wanted to talk about from this article. Okay, okay. That okay. I have umbrage with Oh. It says, quote, Horizon Forbidden West enjoyed an exceptional showcase on PS5 during State of Play last week, but there's still questions over what developer Guerrilla Games could have achieved if it wasn't forced to target aging hardware. Unfortunately, it's the kind of question we'll never know the answer to. End quote. My umbrage with this, they still believe in generations because it's still dealing with the DualSense controller and all of its haptics and all of the... the, the those force triggers, I don't know what they're called, fuck. It's been a um, long day, guys. Leave me alone. <laughs> You're still going to get all the bells and whistles of the PS5. It's still going to look m- so much better on the PS5. They're just giving people who can't walk in and buy a PS5 right now like they want to the ability to play the game. Yeah. I don't think Guerrilla Games is being fuck, uh, fucking hamstrung or kneecapped or... Like, they're not, they're not pulling back on this game just so they can play it on a PS4. Yeah. They're making the game they want to make and they're going to be like, it's going to be wicked on PS5 and we'll figure out a way to make it work on a PS4. Yeah, you have to have assume this decision was made a long time ago. Like, this is not an afterthought. I um, think this game was pitched... This game was pitched definitively and was in development definitively before the PS5 was revealed. I don't even know if they would have had a dev kit for the PS5 when they're making this game. Okay. I think the same for God of War too. Like God of War, they were well into production on God of War before PS5 was announced. That's yeah. why it's so. Cl- that's why even 2022 is is too close. I'm. I won't be surprised if God of War gets pushed again. And it's not because they're making it for PS4. It's probably because it's a super ambitious game and it's going to be big and awesome and take all the time you need. Um, but I just don't like this idea that they're being like handicapped by having to target aging s- hardware. I just don't. I don't buy it. Let's let's drill down into this. I don't. I, okay, how to put this? I care more about God of War being held back. Horizon, I'm not so worried by. Like God of War supposedly started development later, so I don't know. And that's uh, that's a bias. Like I, I prefer God of War. Let's be honest. Uh, I want that to be a true PS5 showcase. Like. What does that mean to you? What's a true PS5 game? Like, what's different? Um, well, I mean, the, the load times seem to be the big thing. I kind of feel like we've hit sort of a plateau with graphics. Like, they all, everything That's... looks incredible. I'm not saying like a plateau, but I'm talking like now we're getting into a, a territory where consoles are a lot more like a PC. Yeah. Like, you either just, you just sacrifice graphical fidelity and... That's really the big difference. And you will still have the generational leap visually, mm. like compared to the PS4. 
in terms of SSD performance, there will be different, there are different versions of the game. So you're still going to get the SSD performance. It's, it's not like you're doing a back compatible PS4 game on PS5. You're getting a PS5 version that is optimized for it. If it means that Sony makes more money and can make more games and buy more studios and have a better experience overall on PlayStation, I don't care. Do whatever you want. I have a PS5. I'm going to play it on PS5, and it's going to be way better than <laughs> anyone playing it on PS4. And according to PlayStation, better than anyone playing it on PC whenever, if ever it comes out on PC. The exciting thing about going on this podcasting journey with you, Govinda, is I can't wait to look back once we play God of War and see if there are those weird little, you know, pushing the rubble moments. Like, we can actually find out if the versions are, you know, at least from a design point of view hampered like if they do have to do those little tricks because we'll know well, there's no well, reason for we, we already kind of know right and and, and to an extent maybe they're going to be affected by it sort of right mm. and the way we know this is ratchet and clank rift apart cannot be played on ps4 they can't make a ps4 version because of the fundamental gameplay element that the ssd enables yeah so the switching between rifts and rift apart like you can't do that without this ssd Mm. And so that's that's why it's not on PS4. And I would dare say that if that wasn't in the game, yeah. they would have put this on PS4 as well. Like they say, like, why wouldn't you? There's that just massive install base. So, look, there's a possibility they'll they'll have to change something because it's not on PS4. But I don't think, I don't think they're lying when they say we believe in generations. Because yeah. you're still going to have a generational difference between the PS4 and the PS5. You are not playing a PS4 game on PS5. Yeah. And look, this is all, it's all speculative. Like, we don't actually know. Like, we, we don't know. And hopefully we'll find out this year. But if Forbidden West misses its date, I, fuck, I hope uh, Ratchet and Clank's got some replay value. Uh... <laughs> no, look, I'm going to be really honest. If, if all else fails, whatever Battlefield announces in two days, I'm, I'll just play that until the end. We have had some great times with uh, Battlefield Five recently, so I imagine... Recently, if you missed it on PS Plus last month, you missed out, because I've had a great time playing some BF5. <laughs> um, look, I think, uh, I think Sammy's piece there did exactly what I was kind of hoping. That kind of turned into a discussion. That we, That's kind of what I had hoped this segment would be. We'll kind of look at different ideas and viewpoints and use that to springboard into something else you know i hope we did some uh justice to the full piece and again read it the link is in the show notes below and i think that about wraps it up for the first episode of long live play i hope you enjoyed the ride we're going to be posting episodes weekly on wednesdays although i don't know if you saw that i hosted uh i gotta post this a little bit early because uh yeah they're doing maintenance on wednesday i'm dead serious oh shit So you might get this a little bit early. Uh, We'll be on social media on Instagram and Twitter at longlivepod. Please follow us there. If you liked the episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us out to get up in that algorithm. Um, My name's Govinda Whitehurst. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I had one one more thing, dude. Get onto that Twitter follow because uh, I would like to give away a copy of Ratchet & Clank. It is a PS5. Yeah, that's right. I'd like to do a... Can I have it? You can enter. Um, can I actually? I mean, I think that's. I don't think I can. I think that's. <laughs> it feels disgusting. So I'm not going to enter. But uh, thank you for saying that I could. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'll put something up in the next day or two. Actually, it'll be the same night this episode goes live. So it'll be there waiting for you. That is uh, Longlivepod on Twitter.com. 
We'll probably post it on Instagram too because I don't know why we would leave that out. I'm scared Tales of Instagram. Twitter, dude. Yeah, I'm I know scared of he Instagram. is, and he needs to get unscared of it real quick. But anyway, I'm giving to Whitehurst. I'm Kyle Adam. We'll talk to you later. Bye.